Hey guys, my name is Sina Palavon. I'm the host of the Talk Too Much podcast. Welcome to episode number 25. This is a completely different episode than all my other episodes. Uh, I filmed it in two parts, one with a BlockFi executive, the vice president of business development over at BlockFi. Uh, BlockFi is one of the largest companies in the world right now in the crypto space. Um, Their wallet is known and unique because you can earn interest on your cryptocurrency while you store it in that wallet. I decided to reach out to a BlockFi executive because I knew how well this company was doing and how it was blowing up. And lucky for me, uh, it all happened at the right time. The second part of this interview is with a good friend of mine. His name's Alexander Wang. This man has over six figures invested in cryptocurrency, and he that's his passion. He has a, an email list over 2,000 people, which you can check out in the link in my bio. But the point of this interview is I want to help him get a job over at BlockFi. So when you guys watch this interview, if you could please share it, subscribe. Uh, you don't have to subscribe really, but share it, you know, get other people to see. I want him, number one, to grow his newsletter. I think you should all subscribe. It's on Substack. You know, he gives methodical trading advice week to week. That's what it's called. And I want him to get a job at BlockFi because I think he would be a perfect fit. I think he could literally bring value to that company, you know, as a consultant, as whatever it may be. Um, But yeah, this episode is mainly for him. Um, I want to actually try and do a good job. But on the opposite end, I did have a great time uh, interviewing Shane Mullins. Um, It was one of the most unique interviews of my life. Um, It was my first digital interview. Um, Hope you guys like it. Let's get into the show. How's it going, boss? Oh, it's going well. How are you doing? Pretty good. I got 30 minutes with you, huh? Yeah, got a hard stop at four. Yeah, no, honestly, uh, I was going to say, uh, it's actually crazy that that as soon as I reached out to you guys to do this interview, you guys, you know, I'm not going to say blew up because you guys already were pretty well established, but after you guys announced your record-breaking interest paid, I feel like your brand took off. So uh, if you don't mind introducing yourself uh, and what you do over at BlockFi, please, uh, to get this started. Yeah, for sure. Uh First, thanks for having me. This is this is great. Uh, absolutely love chatting with uh, you know creators and content creators. We it's a big part of what we do. A big part of our partnership channel. Um, my name is Shane Mullen. Uh, I'm the VP of Partnerships at BlockFi. Um, you know, a little history about myself. I've been in the fintech space for God since I graduated college. Uh, I started my career at Bloomberg. Um, was able to just really dive deep into a variety of different, you know, financial services, uh, you know, product lines that Bloomberg offered more specifically, uh, focused on credit, uh, consumer ABS and, and mortgages. Um, I ended up leaving Bloomberg and joining a, a venture capital backed startup, uh, called Orchard where funny enough, I actually work for Zach Prince, who's yeah. our, uh, CEO. <laughs> I reached out to him. Yeah. Yeah, which was great. I mean, like back then we were younger and he was, you know, a really good salesperson. Now he's, you know, blossomed into an incredible. How old were you guys at this time? Just for. Uh, I was 23. He was 27. So he was 27. You were 23 and you guys were working at a venture capitalist firm. We're we're working at a venture capital backed startup. Okay. Okay. We were, so the, the company itself, right was a technology platform that allowed investors to buy loans on what were called marketplace lending platforms back then. Uh, 
you might be familiar with some of them, Lending Club, Prosper, Funding Circle. Have you ever heard of those companies? I've heard the names of one of those, Lending Circle. Yeah, so Lending Club used to offer, right, the ability for in institutional investors to buy loans on their platform. And we were a platform, an order management system that effectively uh, made those transactions happen. So we built, you know, this marketplace transactional business up uh, over the years, we added a data component to it. So we started selling data. Uh, and then, you know, we eventually sold that to a company called Cabbage uh, in, uh, in 2018. But, you know, fast forward to today, uh, you know, been at BlockFi for the last seven months. It's been an absolutely crazy ride, as you mentioned, you've probably seen, um, you know, and, and I think this year is going to be a lot crazier than anyone's expected in terms of uh, our growth trajectory. Uh, I was going to ask, how'd you end up at BlockFi? Yeah, so uh, after we sold our company, uh, I moved to San Francisco. Um, I worked at a payments company uh, called Quill and had always been just interested in the blockchain ecosystem, uh, you know, outside of my current profession at Quill. And you know, I was talking to Zach because he was a close friend of mine and mentor. And um, I had been looking at moving, leaving the company I was at and joining, potentially joining a, a company in the distributed ledger space. So like a uh, company like Ripple, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, and Zach had, you know, walked me through his business model and, you know, asked, uh, you know, we talked about it and uh, a job opened up and that was all she wrote. And uh, you mentioned, you know, BlockFi, you know, doing well this year, you know, having a crazier than anyone's expected. If you don't mind, before we get into that, can you, and sorry, this camera keeps auto-focusing, can you please describe what separates BlockFi from other wallets or other uh, softwares of its kind? Sure. Um, so yeah, we've grown a ton uh, since I started. Uh, I want to say like 5x, 5 to 10x in every kind of KPI across the board. Um, you know, we're a US-based company and we've raised money, about 150 million in venture money from some of the biggest institutional names out there. So Coinbase Ventures, uh, the Winklevoss Capital, Fidelity, uh, Susquehanna, right? So huge names. Um, so our kind of institutional background or backing is, is, is pretty, uh, pretty legit. Um, you know, we have close to 250,000 customers on the retail side uh, all over the world. Um, and what sets us apart, right, is just our suite of services. So the best way to think about BlockFi is we're a financial services platform for the crypto investor. Um, and when you think about financial services, right, there's a variety of different things that come to mind. In our world, we support three um, and about to be four main kind of product pillars for the retail uh, investor. The first is a interest account. So this is a super compelling product for where we sit uh, because anyone that owns crypto today, uh, if they deposit it you know, into a financial services platform or if they buy on an exchange or whatever it is, they don't have the ability to earn interest uh, on their holdings. So uh, we built that, that product. You can earn 8.6% on your cash. You can earn 6% on Bitcoin five and a quarter on Ethereum, um, and, and then the list goes on. And we actually just went, we actually just added Link to, to, the, to the platform. That was big, yeah. Finance Cash yesterday, uh, today. Um, 
the so you know from a from a kind of value prop perspective that is bar none kind of why most of the folks that uh join you know become BlockFi customers are, are on our platform is, is to earn the interest um we also provide a trading uh offering so you can buy and sell uh the cryptos that we support um we have a retail lending product so if you want to borrow usd uh, collateralized by your crypto. Uh, we offer that product at you know, really competitive rates. Um, and then we're launching a crypto or a Bitcoin rewards credit card uh, in June or in like Q3. Um, and that's really compelling because you're able to now not only uh, you know, spend credit, so you don't have to spend your crypto like you would on your Amex right, or Chase card or City card, but rather than earning back cash, Right, you're earning back Bitcoin in the form. Is there of something like this out already? No, not a, nothing like this exists today. That's actually crazy. That actually, as I was saying, like for me, the the compelling part about BlockFi was that, as he was saying, you know, I'm a I just got into crypto this year, and this last year, and I started, you know, at the beginning of 2020, like building my portfolio. And, you know, when I heard about BlockFi and, you know, it just changed the game and it's no surprise that you guys are growing uh, this quick. I was going to ask you what led you guys to choose these specific interest rates for, because in my opinion, I think they're, it's ridiculous. It's of course it's compelling. Like you have to, in my opinion, you'd be a fool not to invest in BlockFi, not to store your money there. Yeah. I mean, you know, just kind of piggybacking what you're saying earlier, you know, the platform is like meant to be simple right? We want to build something that for folks who may or may not be in the crypto space can download the app, open an account and say, well, this is actually, this is actually really easy to use, right? This makes a lot of sense because it mirrors or mimics, you know, maybe some other apps, financial services or other apps that I have in other asset classes, right? Maybe like a Robinhood or something along those lines. So that's kind of point one. Uh, in terms of interest rates, right? We take the, the, the way that we generate interest on the platform is by lending out the crypto on the platform to institutional borrowers, right? So think of like a really large hedge fund that wants to, you know, trade or make markets or hedge Bitcoin. They're going to borrow Bitcoin, right? And pay a fee to do that. The fee that they pay on what they borrow is higher than the fee that we charge or we pay out to retail. So we're able to provide you retail, right, with a great interest rate that's being paid for by the institutional demand for borrowing those funds. Uh, and then we, you know, make, make a little bit in, in between. And I was going to ask you, um, do you guys have plans to continue adding cryptos uh, to your network? You just, you said you added Link today. I think that was a, a big addition and very compelling for, you know, crypto investors as well. I only invest in three and that was the third one. Uh, are you guys going to continue adding more cryptocurrencies to your network? Yeah, I mean, there are so many great projects out there, um, both, you know, have, that have existed for a while that are coming, that are new, that are in DeFi, you know, that are, um, you know, all different, all different types. And I think for us, right, our biggest, one of our biggest kind of thesis is, is inclusion and being able to bring as many folks into our ecosystem as possible. So if we have ecosystems or audiences that participate exclusively in particular tokens, right? We obviously want them to get value out of using BlockFi. So with that thesis, right, 
you know, going forward this year, we're going to definitely be adding, you know, a handful more uh, onto the platform. So what do you think you guys are going to be at the end of this year? Like you said, you 5X since you've joined in the seven months. Do you think it's going to, you're going to blow those numbers out the water? Yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. I, I look based on specific, like growth rates that I've seen over the last like two months, we should be growing just as fast as we grew over the last six. Right. Um, things are not slowing down. We thought last year that there was like a correlation between the price of Bitcoin and how many new funded accounts that we would bring onto the platform. And all honesty, like no matter where Bitcoin's going, our funded account numbers are just going up. Um, I think it's a testament to just general kind of marketing, general branding, but then it's the product, right? Like we have such good product market fit and we have a great solution that there's so much organic conversation around the product today, uh, whether it's word of mouth or whether it's on social or, you know, whether it's through kind of an influencer channel or whatever it may be that it, you know, is really driving a, a crazy surge. Um, no, I, I, your CEO, uh, Zach Prince, like he's always on, on social media and marketing. That's like, and even your BlockFi accounts are like, they have a very nice personal feel to it. Um, I was going to ask like, what methods do you guys use to market? Just organic, just you guys just post and. We do a few things. Um, you know, so we, we have a performance marketing team that focuses on, you know, paid and search. Um, you know, we operate on, you know, some of the social platforms that allow for crypto companies to advertise our, so our social team, right? Like our team that manages Twitter and some of our social channels are unbelievable. They're just, I don't know if, I mean, you follow us on Twitter, right? Like I do, some, yeah. of the, some of the branding, some of the messaging, just the way that we engage with our audience is just bar none. I would never be able to do it personally, but they are incredibly good. And then we also uh, drive a tremendous amount of growth through partnerships channels. So that's what I, I manage. And partner channels today are primarily, you know, a mix of affiliates. So, you know, comparison sites, review sites, blogs, you know, folks who are kind of uh, building for SEO, um, and then also influencers. So Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, um, and we're starting to see some other avenues that, you know, are adding some, some pretty good conversion. That, that's what you manage? Like you're in charge of all that? Yep. Okay. And um, I was going to ask you, you know, I think uh, also a big correlation between your guys' success um, and what's going, you said that no matter what happens to Bitcoin, I think you said that you guys are going to keep going up. I think that's also a testament to the rise of the crypto industry. It's like established itself. Um, I was going to ask you, cause you know, this is a big question. Um, cause you know, we don't have that much time left, but this is a big question. Uh, you know, I, I'm very glad I have a chance to ask you this. What do you think Bitcoin's going to be at, at the end of this year? I have a lot of people around me that are still scared to invest. They think they missed the wave. But here we have crypto companies such as, you know, BlockFi, such as a lot of other ones. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Voyager. They're actually, they, they collect interest too, I think now. But um, these companies are growing, just like you said, despite, you know, Bitcoin going up or down. So I was going to ask you, what do you think, what's your prediction on Bitcoin by the end of this year? And I wish I, wish I had the, a, a magic ball to, uh, to tell me the, the, that answer. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't have like a specific price target um, by any means, but what I will say is that you have a huge, like a huge network of really smart institutional investors. 
You have a huge network of corporations who are now buying Bitcoin on treasury. You have infrastructure providers like BlockFi and others that are allowing access right from all different angles. You have companies like Square, PayPal, Revolut, right? Businesses that are offering this solution to their entire universe of, of potential customers. Um, we are in a world that is very different from the world that we were in in 2017, right? We are in a world that is like tr truly have been like Bitcoin has truly been adopted by the best of the best and the top folks and the top companies for a variety of different reasons. So, I mean, with that, like, I think only more adoption is going to come and, you know, Bitcoin is a scarce asset, right? It's a supply and demand game. There's only 21 million, right? Ever available in circulation. So when you have a high amount of, you know, demand and a low amount of supply, theoretically the price is supposed to go up. So, you know, we'll see. And do you think that uh, Bitcoin's the only, you know, crypto people should invest in comfortably or do you think there's others that people should dabble in as well? Look, I mean, I think crypto in general, before you do anything, right? If you've never been in the space before is, you know, do your research, right? Like get comfortable understanding what you're investing in, where you're putting your money to work, who are the companies that are offering access? How does it operate? Like just really end to end. Um, there are so many good resources out there too, right? Every single, you know, protocol for the most part has a white paper that you can literally read every single piece of why, how, what is what you're investing in or what you're buying. Um, and I think that a lot of the, there's a lot of these potential tokens out there that have applications that could truly change, right? The, the way that people do business, right? From a payments perspective, international trade, um, you know, Especially from a identity, from a, you know, there's so many applications for it. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an industry that's not going anywhere and will only continue to get more ingrained in, you know, more traditional, traditional sectors. Okay. And, uh, you know, really quickly to, you know, end this conversation. Um, I have a, a lot of viewers out there. I, I have a question for you. How would one go about uh, getting a career at, at BlockFi or getting into this crypto space like you did? What advice would you have to my young viewers on how they would get a, a job or get a career in, in a company just like yourself? Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, first and foremost is like, you know, follow, like I, I would suggest like getting on Twitter and following some of the bigger kind of crypto uh, influencers, crypto companies, right? The news outlets really get a grip uh, on what's going on, right? Stay in the know, open up an account, get your feet wet with an investment, really just ingrain yourself in it. And then from there, like figure out what type of companies make the most sense from a kind of a, a job description or responsibilities perspective and kind of what roles are available. And then just network, right? Find people that those companies that know people that you know, right? Get introduced to them. Ask for 15 minutes to learn a little bit about what they do. Ask for, you know, buy them a coffee, whatever it may be. Like just get that initial intro into from whoever um, you know, at the company that you want to work at or that you're interested in, um, having the knowledge in the background that you've soaked up by following these news outlets and reading and, and getting on and getting knowledgeable of the space and 
you know, figure out where you can actually add value to companies like this, like these. Um, there's also Anthony Pompliano who's a partner of ours. He came out with a, a crypto jobs. I forget what the URL is, but that's another good resource to look at where there are jobs. Yeah. yeah. But look, I mean, we, I personally care about people that are passionate, right. People that really understand where we're going with this, with the, with the space and that, you know, people that have somewhat or like relatively uh, hard skills in the areas that I'm hiring for. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I think that's, that was big just because I have a lot of people around me that, you know, that I, I told them about this interview and they're just like, how do you even get that? How do you get jobs in that? And I said, you know, what college degree do you need? What experience do you need? And I kind of was thinking the same thing you said, it's just like, you know, I didn't apply for any of my jobs or jobs I've gotten off indeed.com. You know, I went on social media and I targeted the right people, just like you said. So, you know, to end this, BlockFi is the wall everybody should invest in. Yeah, no doubt. I, everybody should be opening up BlockFi accounts, depositing their crypto, earning interest, using our functionality, getting on the wait list for the credit card. Uh, why, wait, why do, you say, why do you say get on the wait list for the credit card, may I ask? Well, the credit card's not live yet. Oh yeah, but there is a wait list. Oh, okay. Um, because look, we're gonna be the one we are, and we'll continue to be the one-stop shop for all financial services related to you know being a crypto investor. We we're you know the safest, the most secure, and you know we'll be around for a very long time. So I urge everybody to yeah definitely check us out. Um, you know, let me know. Personally, if anyone has any questions, happy to answer, um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, go from there. Hey, Shane, thank you so much. Oh, man, okay. I appreciate you. Um, you know, that was actually great. You know, for me, I was just excited for this interview just because and I didn't even plan it accordingly. But yeah, what you guys said earlier this week, you know, it really kind of I, I wanted this interview out so I could pressure everybody because I have a lot of people who, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Exodus or just random like beginners wallets. Uh, hardware wallets and I, I told all my friends like you guys like you're just keeping your money in one in a cold dark corner like start collecting interest on it but uh thank you mr shane i appreciate you for this interview hey man it was great yeah uh, thanks for having me of course anytime let me know uh, i'll send you uh i'll probably send you some clips in case you want them you don't need to do anything with them i just sent them to all my guests cool man i appreciate that hey my man thank you so much all right it's good to meet you see ya good to meet you Um, no, but I was going to say, don't, we're just going to get into it. Um, Alex, what's good? What's good, man? Um, so I had you on here today because you, as you know, we're doing, we talked about my block fight interview yeah, tomorrow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, for everybody who doesn't know, this segment happened the day before the block fight segment, but you know, we're just going to piece it together. Alex is a good friend of mine. I've known him for three years now, two years or three years. When we meet Cabo. Was it Cabo or was that, it before Cabo? It, it was, was plane, definitely that Cabo trip. It was on the plane, plane back. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, and ever since then, um, yeah, we've been cool. I've known you. You started your own crypto newsletter. Um, right. And ever since then, I've actually known you to be one of the most knowledgeable crypto people I know. Um, I'm not. He's not going to tell you how much he has invested, but he has a lot. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. If that's okay with you. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, so, Alex, we got to educate these people. We right. and me myself. Um, explain to everybody what cryptocurrency is really quickly and the concept behind decentralized finance. Okay. So to 
put it shortly in as simple terms as, as I can explain, crypto is basically just another form of a medium of exchange. So just like... Like a currency. Yeah, just like a currency. So just the way that we can agree that, you know, my phone is $1,000, I can say that in Bitcoin, you know, that's worth uh, 0.01 Bitcoin. Speaking of this, please go ahead. I can say that's yeah. something that's worth like, you know, 0.01, 0.02 Bitcoin, something like that. It's just an agreement on a medium of exchange. And usually most of the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, uh, they're not... They're not managed by uh, a centralized company. They're they're more managed by uh, just the amount of users that exist around the world, and they're more managed by uh, well, we'll just say the network and the nodes that are set up around. What the is world. the network called? Isn't there a specific name? So, well, there's networks. The network itself can can be a variety of projects. So, if we're talking about a more centralized currency, just very rare, but they do happen, then you know you have something like the Ripple network or something like that. But for something like Bitcoin, it's just the Bitcoin network that are set up by miners and, and whatnot all around the globe. It's completely decentralized, and there's no singular entity that controls the money supply. That's the whole ingenuity behind it. That's why, by the way, speaking to this, I just always like like a little bit. That's why uh, countries are scared of Bitcoin, huh? Because you can't place sanctions on a country and have financial regulations with Bitcoin in place. Yeah, exactly. Because those type of uh, countries and maybe we'll say third world countries more specifically, they have to suffer from things like Bitcoin because they have a lot of corruption. They have a lot of inflation issues when it comes to printing fiat money and things like that. And fiat, for those who don't know, is just, is just basically the money that the government prints for us. And so what what's decentralized finance? It's the concept. It's what we just talked about. Yeah. Decentralized finance essentially is just, is just finance, you know, banks, exchanges, like uh, brokers, Robin Hood, Charles Schwab, etc. But instead of having a singular entity and people behind it, you have just anybody that contributes to a liquidity pool. And the liquidity pool essentially is just what everybody contributes to so that they can buy and sell things to each other directly rather than have someone look over them. So, yeah. Exa so just like the name says, there's no central figure overseeing the exchange. Exactly. So now that we know what this crypto is it's obviously it's been booming you know um we talked about this off camera how there was a 1400 percent rise in bitcoin this last year mm -hmm. and we also talked about you know we came to this term of is it a requirement going forward to invest in bitcoin so alex do you think investing in bitcoin and i'm not just talking for businessmen entrepreneurs for your average joe is should people look at investing in Bitcoin as an as a requirement? And I'm only saying Bitcoin right now. We're going to get into Ethereum because Bitcoin's the biggest one, right? Exactly. Okay, go on. So, I think it's a requirement to be a part of Bitcoin now because what we've seen the past year, especially because of COVID, is a lot of stimulus. We see a lot about the funny money being printed, as people like to call it. And what what people are beginning to realize is that. The government can just print however much money they want. Something like Bitcoin is finite. It has a finite supply. It's proof of work. It's got a whole decentralized network set up around the globe. It costs thousands of dollars, depending on where you live, to mine a Bitcoin. It's not It's not a Ponzi scheme. It's something that requires physical labor and time and just energy to create and, and put labor into. Now, Bitcoin itself is meant to fight against things like this. It was created out of the 0809 crisis. And what we're seeing today is a direct result of what's happening over the past year. Now, we've seen Bitcoin go from 3,600 to 58,000. And institutions continue to pour into it. Now, if you're an investor who's diversified across, you know, stock market, maybe the real estate, 
bonds, whatever, or maybe some miscellaneous or unusual assets, I think Bitcoin should always be one of those because you want to fight against uh, the constant inflation that's continuing to go up every single year, especially what happened the past year, like I said. And Bitcoin should definitely be a part of that because the risk-to-reward ratio is asymmetric, meaning that the the upside significance is, is so large that if you allocated a small amount of your portfolio into Bitcoin, that it wouldn't make that big of a difference if you lost on that on that bet or investment. But if it went up significantly, like it has over the past year, then you would make a significant increase in your portfolio. And I still believe that can happen. So now that we're on the su- subject, you know what I want to ask you. Give me your predictions on the dot and why of what Bitcoin will be this year. I believe before the end of the year, we're going to see Bitcoin hit $100,000. And this bull market cycle, whether it's in whether we top out, meaning this hits the peak, the peak. And, and then begins to sell off for a very long time. Like is, go down for a very long time. Yeah, like maybe one, two, three years. The maybe. same thing that happened before? Yeah, the same thing that goes through all, all crises, you know, the Great Depression or the 08, 09 crisis. Really? You think that's not how... You, oh, wow. I'm just using examples. But you think Bitcoin, before it gets to that, like, big, big level, you think it's going to go up and then down? And yeah, up. yeah. We always have those type of market cycles. I'm not saying it'll be as severe as, like, the Great Depression. I'm just <laughs> using those as yeah. examples of, of times where we've had severe economic downturns where everything just kind of sold off and went down and everything just sucked. No one made any money uh, uh, investing in things. And I truly believe that... Before that happens, when we enter another bear market cycle, is what we like to call it, is we'll see two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin. Where do you, do you think? What do you think it falls back down to? In the past, we've seen eighty to ninety percent corrections when that happens. That that can occur over one year. Now, with the amount of institutions pouring in, I don't know if we'll see an eighty to ninety percent correction. But it's definitely not out of the picture. Like. Back when Bitcoin hit 20K, we corrected all the way down to almost $3,000, which is an, you know almost a 90, it's like an 84%, 85% correction. And do you think we should hold on to our Bitcoin now? So like we talked about short-term trading, people mm-hmm. who trade every day to make short-term gains and they're, you know, that's based off timing and trends or long-term, uh, you know, you just, you invest, you forget about it because you believe in the product so much. Do you think that people should ever sell Bitcoin? When do you sell Bitcoin? Like what I do you invest in it for? Well, you're investing in it specifically to fight against inflation. That's part of what institutions are picking it up for now. They have this digital gold narrative where gold and other commodities or precious metals are specifically meant and called chaos hedges. And what that means is when the world is in chaos, when crazy things happen, people want um, precious metals because, you know, gold, silver, they all have true value. They're all things that have been used by people over thousands of years. Now we have a new asset class pouring in and you know, maybe when times are more calmed down and we're not seeing as much stimulus and inflation isn't rising as much, maybe maybe you do want to sell some Bitcoin. Or just in general, like I said, the risk to reward ratio is asymmetric. If you make, you know, a thousand percent gains on Bitcoin, you want to take some off the table no matter what. It should it should just be a given, right? I can tell you right now, when I made five hundred percent off Bitcoin, I didn't care that I was gonna to go to a hundred thousand. I took some off the table because I made a good yeah, chunk of change, you, right? You have to be safe. Just mm-hmm. you don't know. Yeah, you you never know. But you do know that you have the chunk now. Exactly, yeah, I have it now yeah, in so my bank account. Yeah, it's <laughs> real. Yeah. I can use it. You're good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so it, quick quick question for all newbie investors: up? As soon as, not saying so when you when you see a big trend in Bitcoin when you go crazy because I didn't take any money off the table. I'm my dumbass. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you. Granted, I don't. I also don't have anywhere near as much invested as you. But when you see this big up spike, 
you always want to allocate a little bit, take a little bit off and keep it just in case? Always, always. You When you see, you know, 100, 200% moves, you, you know for a fact that you made a good chunk of change off of it, and you know that it's probably going to go down at some point, or it's going to correct a little bit, right? Like recently, you know, we were at $58,000 like now last week. Yeah, now we're at 40, 45. Yeah, we're at 48 yeah. today, but like yesterday or like a day and a half ago, we were at 43. So we're talking about huge volatility spikes. You always want to have cash on the side to buy the dip. Let's say, you know, the market goes to 50K. You take some off the table and it goes to 55K and you're like, oh man, I took some off the table and I missed out on a 10% move. Big big whoop, who cares? And then all of a sudden it corrects 20% and now it's like 44,000. Guess what? You have some cash to buy the dip or now you look back on it and you're actually happy. You just be, it's a lot easier. You'll always remember taking profit because when you don't, when you don't take profit, you find yourself regretting that down the line. You miss, you miss a lot because you could also make that money back up. Yeah, mentally, it's easier and and easier on the mind and easier for you to manage and see it in a more neutral way if you continue to take money off the table. Because ultimately, we're all here to make money as an investor. We all have our own goals. If you meet your life changing goals, it, let's say you want to make a million dollars, you make a million dollars, that's fine. Just get your money, get away. Right? You've made a life changing amount of money. Whatever. Don't risk it, yeah. Yeah, don't risk it. There's there's no reason to put yourself on the line like that. Yes, you could make $10 million, but this is a marathon, not a race. The market has been here. Well, not crypto, but the markets in general, and crypto will probably be here long There's after always been dead. an investment market since the beginning of time, I'm sure, even in like the prehistoric ages. Exactly, right? So this is a lifelong skill okay you don't need to make it overnight you don't you don't need to do that god damn it that's a quote <laughs> okay. that's a great quote this is something that that will take years of practice okay the, there's reasons why you know people are in their 80s and 90s they're billionaires you know we're talking about just warren buffett or kevin o'leary or mark cuban okay they built everything that they have over several years and decades of experience decades bro exactly especially mark Cuban. exactly now did they make a lot of money during times like the dot-com bubble like mark cuban did yes they did but guess what mark cuban is worth billions upon billions of dollars now okay and he's a genuine person too that's that's someone i was talking to off camera that's a millionaire who conducts himself in an appropriate right exactly and and he's he's a great guy and even though his net worth is in the billions and billions of dollars guess what he he made a life-changing amount of money and he says this all the time i I had so much money there was no reason to make more i just had to keep what i have and when you get find yourself getting rich like that you just want to keep what you have i like that i actually really like that i was going to ask you because now that we're talking about this risk and and of investments and stuff you're good Uh, we were just talking off camera okay so the two main cryptos are ethereum and bitcoin we talked about bitcoin Mm -hmm. now i've been also you know i have a lot of ethereum heads telling me you know because i told you i invest personally i invest 60 40 so I usually try and invest whenever I allocate any budget into my crypto portfolio or any amount of money, I try and go 60% Bitcoin, 40% Ethereum. Now I've had a lot of Ethereum heads over the last year tell me go 75, 80 Ethereum, 20% Bitcoin, go 50, 50, but they're just, they will make it a point to let me know you can't prioritize BTC over Ethereum. What's your, and I know, and my friend Jake Gallen, host of the guest list said, he's a big Bitcoin head. He's on the other end. He's saying Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. What's your opinion on this? Bitcoin is the primary one that institutions are looking at, right? Tesla just bought $1.5 billion worth a month ago. And Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy and Grayscale has over $37 billion worth of assets under management, a majority of that being Bitcoin. There's a reason why Bitcoin is the largest one. It's been around the longest. It's the most trusted. And it's the one institutions are gunning for, right? Ethereum, on the other hand, is not something that 
institutions are going to pick up 1.5 to 2 billion dollars for you're not going to see tesla make an announcement and saying oh we just bought 1.5 to 2 billion dollars worth of bitcoin i believe if you time it right and you can get into like a medium to long-term trade and i'm talking about a trade not an investment so we're looking at maybe a few months if you time it correctly and you you land the market cycle correctly i believe that you can catch ethereum and outperform bitcoin so what i mean by that is if bitcoin moves 100 percent Ethereum moves 150%, which means you were able to capitalize on your gains. But you have to pay attention and hit the exact times, right? Exactly, right? So unless you're experienced and understand what you know what you're doing, um, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Now, if you're an investor and you want to allocate yourself and diversify, believing that there will be times that Ethereum will outperform Bitcoin, then going in with like an 80-20 uh, diversification or allocation is totally fine. There's, it's totally justifiable, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But to trade that and to be able to truly understand market cycles and when it's time to be in Bitcoin and when it's time to be in Ethereum or other altcoins, that's a whole nother story that people need to really understand charts and, and when it's the right time to be in altcoins and things like Ethereum are.